Hello and welcome to The Talent Blueprint, your guide to building a company where talent comes first. The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery, the talent lifecycle management platform that helps organizations hire candidates faster, develop the skills of their workforce, and increase employee retention. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Talent Blueprint. I'm your host, Sultan Seidoff, and today I am delighted to welcome Adam Otter, the Director of Global Talent Acquisition from Edwards Life Sciences. Adam, thanks so much for joining us. To kick off, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about Edwards Life Sciences and, and what you do there. Thanks for having me. Edwards Life Sciences is a cardiovascular structural heart therapies organization. We mostly specialize in transcatheter heart valves is really where we built our foundation. We have been growing significantly over the last couple of years. Since I've joined in 2019, we've added about 10,000 employees. Right now we sit at about above 19,000 employees. Our goal is to get above 28,000 employees by 2028. So a lot of growth that we're looking forward to on the people side. Wow. That is certainly a lot of growth. Well, before we dig into that, and that sounds like a very ambitious adventure that you're embarking on. I'd love to get a little bit of historical context on you, your career so far, your background, how, how you ended up at Edwards. My career as most people's in talent acquisition started out randomly, came out of college, had a job offer from a staffing firm and decided to take that offer. And then that led me down the path of talent acquisition. Started out in the financial world after the staffing agency and then got into medical devices. I've been in medical devices now for the last 14 years, and it's been a great career. I was in an organization that focused on the spinal area of the body and then got into kind of the broader orthopedics, trauma, spine, and just broader medical device business. And now I'm here at Edwards Life Sciences in the cardiovascular structural heart space. Well, it's naturally a very important space, but also one I think that has seen more innovation than many people outside in might assume. I think in the topic of where artificial intelligence is impacting things, a lot of people see the chat GPTs of the world, but people don't see how much progress is being made in healthcare and in imaging. And I imagine this must be part of what you have to think about in terms of hiring for you know, evolving skills within the organization. I'd love to know a little bit more about how the talent acquisition function you have is set up at Edward Life Sciences and, and how you think about this expanding world of skill sets needed in healthcare. Great question. And I mean, our technology side and what we do is fascinating. You mentioned AI and we do a lot of futuristic things. I actually just had the opportunity to come back from our R&D tech symposium that was in Irvine, California. And to see some of the futuristic things that the team is working on, you know, really makes those skills tie into what we do in talent acquisition and how we're looking at that. It is rather fascinating to see the number of skills that we have a need for, not just today, but three, five years down the road and understanding that it's going to impact patients' lives, it's going to impact families' lives long-term because of the skills and because of the devices and products that we're building. Medical devices, it's, it's an interesting topic when it comes to the skills-based side of things because it is a very challenging topic because you need specific skills, but you also need specific experience because we can't just hire somebody that has the skills. They have to understand the anatomy. They have to understand the body. So for us in the medical device space, it's a very unique topic when we hear skills 
You know, there's still a lot of corporate functions that we focus on for skills and drive towards, but there's also a lot of functions where it is challenging for us to just base our hiring off of skills. This is a really interesting topic for a lot of companies because I think in the last year, so many people have been talking about skills because it's such a attractive unit or currency of measurement of what we need in terms of work and what people are able to do. But in practice, it's both really hard to identify. You know, if I asked you what skills do you have, how do you answer that question? But also something that means very little in a vacuum, but starts to mean a lot in the context of the tasks people have to do. And often people think about the skills more than the tasks, because I think breaking down work into, you know, what sets of skills are necessary for evolving tasks and how do we deconstruct work to look at, can we actually change which tasks are needed for this job in order to be able to train people differently is a part of the conversation. And certainly one of the ways that we have to look at making work scarcity and skill scarcity challenges go away, which you're touching on and how you're describing the units of work. How have you been thinking about this in terms of designing job or internally deciding what are we hiring for? You mentioned looking into the future. How are you looking at the work itself versus the skills and in, in trying to deconstruct this? There's a lot happening with skills. And I think one of the big things that as a talent acquisition function that we evaluate is not always about the skills itself, but how do we help the hiring managers? How do we help the business leaders understand the area and the opportunity to teach, educate, and coach these individuals on what they don't have? So the skills you're able to go after, you're able to find somebody that has the mechanical engineering background or the electrical engineering background. How do you teach those other aspects of it? So not looking at it in in silos of, you know, hey, we're just looking at skills, but looking at the broader picture of, does this person have the skills to expand on what we need, on how we are going to move forward into the future? The looking forward into the future, I know is a topic that you and your team, and, and I know this is part of how you've partnered with Beamery in terms of forward-looking talent pooling and proactive sourcing and pipelining. How do you think about the initiatives that help you with that preparedness? How much of it is driven through this forward-looking pipelining versus other considerations that you have to take into account and challenges to overcome? So we are hiring very niche skill sets all the time and through our pipelining, through our talent attraction strategies, we're really connecting with people. Timing is everything in the recruiting world, right? You have to be the forefront of somebody's mind when they have a bad day, when a project is being finished. So for us, constantly staying in contact and communication with them, and that's something that Beamer is helping us with, is the automation of staying in touch with candidates, keeping Edwards Life Sciences at the forefront of somebody's mind. We're not a consumer product. You can't walk into a CVS or Rite Aid, Walgreens, and, and pick up a heart valve on the shelf. So we have to go above and beyond and expanding our talent brand, our employment brand out there to the world to ensure that everybody knows and understands, hey, this is a great place to work. This is a great organization to work for. I know that any organization deploying a lot of innovation in talent processes tends to run into frictions because so much of the change does touch people. And in your case, not just candidates, but obviously your end customers are so critical and important and what you're doing is so important that I imagine it would usually be harder to create change at pace. 
being in, in the kind of industry you're in, there are many more risks attached to change. And I'm curious, what have been some of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome in driving change? And what's been the biggest you know, failures and learnings you've had since you've been at Edwards? Some of our challenges are surely different than most industries, right? COVID really added many challenges to us that we hadn't seen before. For us, there are specific roles that we have that require specific skills. For example, we have a role that is in the OR, working with the physicians while they're performing heart surgery. For us, finding those skills is very challenging because there are fewer and fewer people doing those. So sometimes the people that we want to hire are customers, and that makes it challenging because we don't want to take away from our customers. So it's understanding how we can build out training programs, how we can build out actual classes to help educate these people, partner with universities as well to help develop the people that we're going to need to continue driving our business. So it's not just about what the market looks like today, but creating a talent market that is for us in the future, especially if it's not being done already and not being done at the pace that we need it to be done. So as we see organizations looking at ambitious hiring targets or upskilling targets, we are seeing a trend towards looking at new centers of excellence and new locations in which to hire and train people. Is this something that you are considering in your growth strategy and how you're looking at locations to hire and develop people globally? Yeah, that is. In fact, about two years ago, we did a transformation within talent acquisition specifically and other functions within HR as well to create a center of excellence for talent acquisition. So previous to that, each region was kind of their own region. They were all run individually. And then two years ago, we created that center of excellence. So in creating that center of excellence within talent acquisition, it really brought our skills to a different level. It helped bring synergies from the U.S., things that we were doing here, over to EMEA, over to JPAC. And now it's really evolved the talent acquisition function to that next level. And that's where we're going to continue to grow and be able to attract the best talent no matter where we're based out of. And as you look at that global landscape, I imagine the Edwards brand has different strengths in different regions. Is there a vision of where Edwards as an organization is heading that is key to your employer brand communications and how you see the future of the industry and your role in it? I mean, it's still a high growth industry and there's a small number of competitors out there. We are the leader in the industry and the majority of the products that focus around structural heart and cardiovascular, which is always good to be. There's a lot of growth opportunity for us in the JPAC region, in EMEA, and even the, the Americas. You know, we're seeing double digit growth quarter after quarter still coming out of COVID. It's been a nice run. I've noticed that in how you certainly have approached your technology landscape with Beamer and elsewhere, that you are someone who is very future minded. You're looking at where the ecosystem is going, how to prepare for that, not just in terms of where Edwards is going, but where the technology landscape is evolving and where I imagine the roles of people in your team are evolving. So before we get to technology, just zooming in on the team side, how have you tried to prepare your talent acquisition team for change in their roles? We obviously see now a lot of people starting to think about 
things like Gen AI replacing people in different industries. In practice, I think what's happening is a lot of roles are being rapidly augmented. You know, you have to know how to adapt what you do to leverage these technologies, but also to upskill yourself, even if you are in the recruiting side of things, to focus more on the candidates, understand the candidates leverage technology better. How are you seeing your team's roles evolving and preparing them for that? And how do you see technology evolving to support your team in the coming years? The talent acquisition team, the way that we're set up here, we have an investment model. We are actually not like most talent acquisition function or HR functions. Uh, we're actually driving some revenue. Now we function like a nonprofit. So we invest all that money back into the talent acquisition team, our people, our tools, our technology. So in a way, we have a lot more flexibility than most talent acquisition companies when it comes to looking at new technologies like Beamery or like something that's going to be futuristic and allows us to bring that. The investment model also allows us to focus back on our employees in the talent acquisition world and help train them, help get them up to speed. Currently, we're doing our recruiter academy globally, regionally. In fact, that's why I'm going to be in Malaysia is for our JPAC recruiter academy where we are upskilling, where we are focusing on helping build out the talent acquisition team with new skills, et cetera, to get us to the future and get us to that 28,000 employees by 2028. The thing that we are increasingly seeing organizations look at in this context of business evolution and talent evolution is this question of how do you map your talent strategy to value? How do you look at the way in which you plan your people as more than just a headcount number or a cost? and more as a driver towards the top business priorities. And on the surface, this seems like an obvious thing to say, but actually the way that all businesses are run is finance-driven, not skills and people-driven at its core of planning, because planning is a strategic financial exercise. And there's this emerging theme we've seen, especially in the last year or two, of organizations starting to actually think about talent planning, not just as a headcount exercise, but as a initiative that support key business objectives. Do we have the right people? Uh, do we have the skills needed to meet our goals, not just numbers? And to me, it sounds like part of what you're describing and how you as an organization are thinking about this ambitious growth strategy and the skills in it touches on this concept that there is an element of looking at, do we have people with the right skills and the right locations to support our patient objectives, our business objectives? How has that conversation between the business goals and talent evolved? Do you see a, a different role for yourself in being an advisor to leadership? Do you see a different partnership between managers within the business and the HR function emerging. Yes, I think transparency and communication between business functions is absolutely key to growth, to evolving, to ensuring that you have the right talent on board, not just today, but in, in the future. In, in talent acquisition, we work very closely with the business leaders, with the HR business leaders as well, and then also org effectiveness, workforce planning to understand what the dynamics look like in the markets for people, etc. Edwards does a phenomenal job when it comes to looking at the employment value proposition. We have a wonderful one that our, our branding team has built out. It's something that we continue to drive, continue to focus on. We have a culture to me that is very unique in the sense of, you know, we are very focused on what we do, but we're also focused on having fun and enjoying what we do as an organization. And again, it's medical device is a very unique industry to be a part of when you're impacting somebody's life. We have our patient experience days throughout the world where we have patients come in and talk to us about their struggles, about their challenges and how the valve 
that was made for them impacted them, their families. They get to meet the sewers that sewed their heart valve. All of our heart valves are hand sewn. So, you know, you get to meet the people that actually sewed the heart that's going in your body or went in your body is very impactful. So for us in the medical device industry, it's a lot different than most companies because we can actually tie what we're doing and the impact that we're having. You see that in real life. You don't always get to see that. I think you very rarely get to see that. I think the impact and actually seeing the individual human lives impacted and how physical that is, is, is extremely rare. That's a great thing about talent acquisition as well is, you know, when you're in talent acquisition and you're bringing somebody on board, you get to see the joy that they have. You get to see the excitement that they have towards the company, towards the mission. I had the opportunity to be in Irvine last week with two of my remote employees. They got to meet some people they hired and to see that interaction of just humans talking and like, wow, thank you. I've been in my role for six months. It's the best job that I've ever had. This is the best company that I've ever worked for. To truly see that joy and to see that excitement in somebody, it's very impactful to be in town acquisition as well. I love the comparison of individual human lives and joy. And it's actually something I thought a lot about when I was founding Beamery. I found the company with my brother and our initial discussion in the years that led up to Beamery was around what is the way in which you can impact people's livelihoods the most? And we considered it in three categories. It's healthcare, education, and work. You know, that's the reason people are able to get up in the morning every day and what they get up to do in the morning every day. And I think that connection between how you empower people to lead healthy lives and actually then achieve purpose in what they're able to do with those lives is a very powerful parallel. And I can imagine that in your team, that must be a, a big connection that people form with the organization and being able to actually bring people in who could save people's lives. What advice do you give the leaders that join your team about how to be successful at Edwards with what you've learned in your own career? And, and what advice would you give for yourself if you were starting in a talent leadership role today? Oh, gosh. In terms of other leaders or other people aspiring to be a leader, be strategic with what you work on. Don't just take on everything to take on things. Understand the impact that it has. Understand what it does, not just for yourself, but for others. You know, if others around you are going to be successful, that will reflect back on you. Get to a point where, you know, you trust yourself, you trust your leaders around you. If they come to you and they want you to take on something that you're uncomfortable with, that you're not familiar with, they're coming to you for a reason. They trust you. They believe in you. They want you to continue growing and building new skills for the future and to better the organization. Take those on. Be yourself and be relentless. Make yourself the obvious choice when it comes to things that are coming up, when it comes to a new opportunity within the organization. If you make yourself the obvious choice, you're going to get those opportunities. You're going to continue to grow in the ways that you want to grow. I would love to know uh, just a little bit more about some talent initiatives that you've run that if you went back in time, you'd be doing differently. A pretty current example, I'm currently leading a revamp of our global employee referral program, and we're about probably 90% of the way done. And I had a conversation with somebody that completely opened up my eyes and we're already 90% done. So ensuring upfront that you have all the information, you have all the conversations that you need 
to truly progress forward into the future versus taking gradual steps. Swing for the fences. Don't swing for a double, don't swing for a triple, swing for the fences. Get it all up front, take that information and build off of that. Shoot for the stars. I love it. And in the same spirit of swinging for the fences with technology, you guys have been on your journey with skills-based hiring and with technologies like Beamery for some time now. For people who are first adopting CRM and AI systems like ours, what advice would you give about what to focus on, what are some of the successes you've had versus some of the lessons you've had in that journey of implementing that kind of TA technology? First and foremost, Beamer has been absolutely wonderful for us. Thank you for developing it. Thank you for putting it out there. Um, it's really helped us engage candidates long-term. Um, you know, something I look at is short-term engagement and long-term engagement. You know, right now we're about 50-50 in terms of what the team's doing. So it's incredible to see, you know, for an organization, when you're adopting a technology like this, ensure that you are also built out internally because we weren't. So it was a lot of the team pulling stuff together, piecing stuff together. So ensuring that you have the foundation um, internally to support the initiatives and the drive. As I look at the technology side of it all, I'd have to say ensuring that your technology platforms, your tech stack talks to each other. It has the capability to communicate between your ATS, between the other tools and technologies that you leverage. If you can do that, if you have that, it is going to make your team's lives that much smoother, that much faster. And that's the nice thing that I like about Beamer is it does. It talks to our ATS. You guys have an integration with LinkedIn coming. That's going to be huge to me and my team. That is going to help them significantly. So taking those seven minutes down to seven seconds, I mean, just having that quick, oh, they're already in your CRM. We don't, don't have to try and put them in or look for them. It's there. Little things like that that are just incredible when it comes to systems talking to each other and systems being active together. I think that's extremely frequently overlooked advice, Adam. I think uh, increasingly the systems that people may also need to consider are the flow of work systems like Slack or Microsoft Teams that also will have to be part of that connection. And it's advice that I think many organizations that look back at technologies they've adopted since, especially the pandemic, you know, so many recruiting tools, employee experience tools, it can create frictions and data gaps, even while solving certain problems that are then quite hard to tackle. Really sage and, and powerful advice. And thank you for the kind word. Uh, excited to get to build this kind of technology. As a final question, and going deeper on the future-minded thinking, if you come back in time in that year 2028 when you guys have your ambitious targets, but look back at the HR and talent technology industry, what do you hope will have changed in the landscape that supports you and your team? Gosh, that's a tough question because there is so much that's changing and it's changing so fast and the impact is significant. You know, there's a lot of technology, there's a lot of talk around Gen AI, right? What I would hope that technology can continue to do or to do, period, is to keep a human element to the cycle, to the process. People want to talk to people. I think a lot of people, a lot of individuals are kind of hesitant to adapt and adopt the AI 
we've been using AI for a very long period of time now. You know, it's taking something from doing something for seven minutes, doing it seven seconds now. Embracing what is out there, embracing the technology, continuing to learn with it and make yourself a valuable add-on with the technology. So I guess to answer your question, I would, you know, we would love for to see the technology continue to allow for humanization of a conversation, of an interaction, while still making things better for both users that are involved. I love the human-centric thinking there and that the goal of technology in that future continues to be to save time and assist. And if I may, I would add, perhaps helping our team not just go from seven minutes to seven seconds, but help us pick which thing we spend those seven seconds on, because I think there's so many insights of, you know, which candidate to help or which patient to support that we see technology starting to make an impact on. Well, Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure having this conversation. Really, really enjoyed it. And thank you for all your insights. It was great talking with you, Solomon. Thank you for having me. The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery, the talent lifecycle management platform that helps organizations attract, retain, redeploy, and develop the skills they need. Learn more at beamery.com.